0: You have your bibles turned to John 21. John 21. I have great friends. They sent me text this morning. They found out I was having to preach this morning. They said, "Don't choke." <laughs> That's great friends, right? Don't choke. Don't mess up. <laughs> and uh man, it's so such an honor. I love our pastors, Pastor Sawyer, Miss Phyllis. They're um uh, like they're spiritual parents to me. And so uh, just incredible, and, and just the opportunity and the honor to, to come up here and try to even come close to filling this pulpit, it really does scare me. <laughs> literally scare me because I know what Pastor does, and I, I've seen his life, and it's a life of integrity. So I'm really excited about that, uh, excited about the opportunity. So in John 21, 1 through 9, it says this. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, In this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And you will find some when they did they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish Then the disciple whom jesus loved said to peter is the lord As soon as simon peter heard him say it is the lord He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net of full of fish for they were not far from the shore About a hundred yards or so when they landed They saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I want you to look at somebody next to you and tell them, I'm all in. Now look at the person that you just ignored and let them know, I'm all in. I want to challenge you today. We need to realize something this morning right here from the get-go, from the start, that Jesus is moving. I want you to hear me, that God is on the move. All across this world, all across this planet, God is up to big things. He's doing incredible things. He's moving. He's active. He's living. There are things happening all across this planet where signs and wonders are taking place. Revival is breaking out. And God is doing great things. And I still believe, I may be one of the only ones, but I still believe that God is one to shake this nation again in a powerful way. And I believe that God is one to move in a powerful way in this nation again. Why? Because he's alive. You see, Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. But our God, Jesus Christ, he died. But then three days later, he got up. And so that's enough reason to give him praise. That's enough reason to give him glory. Why? Because he's alive and he's well and he's moving. And here's the thing that you need to know today. If he's not dead, then my praise shouldn't be dead. If he's not dead, then my worship shouldn't be dead. If he's not dead, then my prayer life shouldn't be dead. If There's no church on this planet that should be dead because why? Because he's not dead. He's alive. He's active. He's moving. He's wanting to do something fresh today. So if he's, when you see him in the Bible, if he was water, he's what? He's living water. If he was wind, he was a mighty what? rushing wind. In Genesis, he hovered over the water. In Revelation, John saying, even so what? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. He's not dead, so everything we should be doing should be active. You see, staying stationary, staying put behind a moving God will always leave you behind a move of God. When you get to the place in your life where you stay stationary, when a God is trying to move When God is trying to do something fresh and trying to do something new in your life, you'll find yourself missing out on what God's wanting to do because you're wanting to stay put. That's not our job. Our job is to keep moving. See, the question is, can I move with a moving God? Am I active in my pursuit of God? He's always going somewhere. And if he goes and I follow, here's the thing I've learned in my life. If he goes and I follow... He'll always take me to places I've only dreamed of. He'll always take me to places I've only wished for. And here's the challenge. God is ultimately trying to get us to a place called purpose, a place called destiny. And so here in this passage in John 21, we have some disciples. Now, you guys know all about the disciples. The thing I love about the disciples is this. It shows that God can use anybody. It gives me hope every time I read about the disciples. Anybody else? I'm the only one. Okay. It gives me hope every time I read about them because those jokers were so messed up. They were messed up. They, didn't, they, they would say, Jesus, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, and then they run away. I'm telling you right now, that has been me my entire life, but I'm thankful for a God that can take a mess. And turn it into a message. I'm thankful for God to take mistakes and turn it right around. I love I love Jesus, love what He's doing. But in this particular passage of Scripture, you see the disciples, and they've seen the blind eyes open. Now, and I, I imagine as they saw Jesus spit, that there may have been questions that come up. You know what I'm saying? But they've seen blind eyes open. They've seen the lame leaf. They've They've seen, uh, the, they've seen dead men rise and they've seen all these great miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. And they've actually, honestly, they've seen signs, wonders, and miracles. They've seen a move of God. And the Bible says something unusual in John 21. He says, in this way, he showed himself. In this way. Which tells me right there off the bat is that this was unusual. That this was an unusual way for him to show himself. That he had showed himself in many ways before, but for this particular passage of scripture, there was something different. He showed up in a way that they maybe wasn't expecting at the time. And I think one of the biggest, maybe one of the biggest frustrations that God has with his church today is that a lot of time our expectation lies in a former presentation of what he did 20 years ago. Or what he did even yesterday. You see, God has something new and something fresh for us today. If our expectation lives in what he did yesterday, we run the risk of missing out on what he wants to do today, right now. I'm thankful for what he did in the 90s and 80s. I'm thankful for what he did. I, I'm a product of Brownsville Revival. I'm a thankful. I'm product of Calvary Assembly, what God did in those times. But I am so ready. I don't know if you guys understand, but I am so ready for a fresh, authentic move of God that's for today. Right now, we got questions on how we're going to reach the millennials. I, I, I read articles all the time, how we're going to reach them, how are we going to reach them. I'm going to tell you what we've done in the church world. We have so dialed back our worship. We have so dialed back the preaching. And guess what? We still have the same questions on how we're going to reach them. What if we use Jesus's words? If I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Maybe the problem isn't that we don't have the right stuff. Maybe it's that we're not lifting the right thing up. And so the challenge for us is not to allow our expectation dominate what God is wanting to do right now, to be expecting something new and fresh from Him. And so everything He does builds upon what He just did. Last year was last year. I'm thankful for last year, but I'm glad. I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad 2017 gone. I'm ready for 2018. There's something new and fresh that God has for us right now. And in this passage, Jesus shifts. And you think about this, he wants to show up and they miss him. They don't know where he is. You will learn as you walk with God, sometimes you have to trust God even when you can't trace God. There's going to be seasons of your life where maybe you don't feel God. The emotions aren't there. The high is not there. The, you know, when you, when you come into the service, you don't get all the goosebumps and you don't get all the stuff. And, and maybe you're, you're, you feel like God is far away, but it's in those seasons. If you'll learn to trust God even when you can't see Him, you'll find God when you need Him. And so the challenge for us and the challenge for disciples, see these 12 men, they are, these men, they, they shifted and they missed Him. And one man says this. He says, I'm going fishing. Peter, you guys know Peter. He's the leader of the group. I'm going fishing now. I'm not much of a fisherman. One of the last times I got, I went fishing. My wife hooked me in the arm. I don't know how it happened. She was about 20 yards away from me, and somehow I, I'm over there just minding my business. Boom! Ow! Oh, Ow! Oh, Ow! Oh, Ow! Oh, oh. I have no idea how I got hooked in the arm. She caught me. She caught me. But in this in this moment. Peter decides to go fishing. He decided to go back to where he came from. I want you to hear this. You see, when Jesus found Peter, where was he at? Where was he doing? What was he doing at that moment? He was fishing. You see, one of the biggest dangers I think that the enemy throws at us, or one of the biggest things that he throws at us in a, in a moment of weakness where maybe we can't trace God, or we can't see God, is that when you can't find God, you always try to go back to where you came from. But see, I got great news for you today. We've already come too far to go back to where we came from. There's people in this room, you've overcome some addictions in this room. Come on, give him praise if you've overcame some addictions. There's some people in this room that have overcome depression. There's some people that have overcome wounds, bitterness, all kinds of things. You wouldn't have made it without Jesus. And I'm going to give him praise. Why? Because I overcame some stuff through through him. It's powerful. Powerful. You see, today... We're going to serve notice to the enemy. I I may not know where he is. I may not know where he is, but I'm not going back. I may not know where he is, but I'm not going back. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. So I'm not going back. And see, Peter decides, he says, I'm going fishing. You know what that is? He's saying, I'm going back to comfort. There's no such thing as being called uncomfortable. It's... it's it's a lot. It, it does not happen. It never happens. If it was all about comfort, I want you to hear me. If it was all about comfort, there would be no need for the comforter. In fact, I want you guys to hear me today. It is your discomfort that is cue for the Holy Spirit to come in and and actually to begin working on be on your behalf in those moments. It is your discomfort that is the cue for the Holy Spirit to come rushing in. And so the challenge for us. Is is this, is that maybe we need to get uncomfortable again. Maybe we missed out on some of the greatest miracles that God has for us because of our comfort. Because we can do things in our own power. We can do things in our own way. And maybe, maybe this, if we'll step out and get uncomfortable again, the Holy Spirit will show up in a powerful, powerful way. Watch Him rush into your situation. You see, they decided to go back. And immediately, if you notice, they got into a boat, a ship. Now, previous chapters, it says that they had forsaken their ships and forsaken their boats to follow Jesus. Remember that? They had forsaken all to follow him. But immediately, immediately they got back into their ships. See, when you make a decision to go back, the enemy will always provide the transportation necessary to take you further than where you want to go. And you guys all know about the different boats and the ships that the enemy throws at you, the different relationships that he'll, as soon as you make that decision to come back, isn't it funny how that person will come right back into your life? I've heard this statement, rebels attract rebels, but it's amazing. It's amazing. As soon as you make a decision to go back or as soon as you make a decision to maybe step away from your calling, your destiny, the enemy is very proactive in this. He will send the right relationships, the right friendships to throw you off course. It's amazing how a Facebook message will get sent to you as soon as you decide to go back. You say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to pursue God. There's nobody else. But here's the thing. As soon as I decide to go back, there's a relationship that spurred on something or maybe it wasn't a good situation for me. And it comes right around during that moment to try to take me down. You see, you make a decision that God has my heart and I'm going to wait for some of the single ones in this room, I'm going to wait for the right one. And as soon as you make a decision to, to, to step back away from that calling, it's amazing how the enemy will throw somebody right there in your path. It's amazing how he'll throw somebody right there in your way. But here's the thing. The enemy has an endless supply of what you need to go back. He has an endless supply. Sometimes the best strategy of the enemy is locked up in your association. It's not necessarily in what you do, it's in who you associate with. Newsflash, sometimes it's all about what you listen to. I want to give you another newsflash. Sometimes it's about what you watch. You see, words create atmospheres. Atmospheres produce environments. You can create an environment that you don't want to be in because the word got in your ear. You can miss out. And so the challenge, I remember when me and uh, Miss Kimmy got married is that we're extremely passionate people. Very passionate. My kids are passionate. Our house is loud. Everybody last night was just, everybody's scream, screaming in a good way. We're all happy. But it's just very loud, very passionate people. You put two passionate people together, and there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, there's going to be, you know, it's just you know, there's a, a little bit of work that takes place. We hadn't gotten, we hadn't been married very long. And, uh, you know, we had decided early on I I wasn't in ministry yet, I was working towards it and uh just praying and, and working with my dad. My dad's here today, but we were working with my dad, just praying that God would open up the right doors and, and all those different things. And I remember in this particular time we were we were having I I would say a little bit of chaos, a little bit of chaos is best best way I describe it. A little bit of uh yeah, yeah. And it would never it would be about the dumbest things, like, you know, your toothbrush was I, I, I took it and moved it or something, you know, and then it's like, oh, what happened, you know? And I remember Kimmy coming up to me and we were like, all right, we gotta, all right, we gotta just stop. We gotta just stop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we do. And then Price started fighting about that, about having to stop. You know what I'm saying? But then we got to this place where we decided that we were going to change the environment, change the atmosphere. And see, we're two God-fearing people. We love the Lord with all of our heart. I mean, love the Lord. Two God-fearing people that decided in that moment, especially early on, we needed this drastically. We decided to put 24-hour worship music going on in our house. Put the sucker on repeat. And it's amazing how you can't fight when you hear Jesus being lifted up. Lord, I lift... Hey, it's back in those days. Lord, I lift your name on high. You know, it's that, that day. and And when you hear that... There was times I'm going Hey, this is truth, and I'm sorry, Pastor. There was times where I press pause, and I would say something, and then I go back and push play. Boom, boom, all the time. But you know what happened from that moment? The whole atmosphere in our house, what we were hearing, what we were doing, it began to change. It began to shift. And see, the disciples here's here's what happened before they known it, before they knew. Before they knew it, they had gone back and further than they ever wanted to go. And when you think about, it, and when you see this scripture, what was what was morning had become night. What was light had become darkness. You see, I think sometimes we take things for granted until we ha- don't actually have it anymore. And these guys find themselves they were they start off in the, the light, now they're in the the darkness. They're in the night. And they're, they've encountered what I would say a night season. They've known the presence and power of God. And there may be some people in this room that are saying, well, you've known the presence and the power of God. But right now, you're in what I would call a night season. Maybe it's because of a series of choices and decisions. Maybe it's you, you never intended for something to get this bad or to go this far, and you wound up addicted, bound up, bitter. Maybe there's something, in a relationship that broke off that severed, and you don't know what. It's just like, man, it's just like darkness is all around you. Maybe at one point you were walking in the light, and it feels like God was all around you. But right now, in this moment, it's like the darkest hour of your life. And these guys are throwing their nets. They're throwing their nets in the middle of the night. And they're trying to do, maybe for some of you guys in this room, you're trying to do everything in your own strength and yet coming up empty. Someone, I, as I was driving around last night, I was driving around and just praying. I felt this really heavy. Someone in this room is extremely tired. Someone is tired. And I'm talking about tired and it's been a, it's been a difficult season for you. You're weary from doing everything you can. And getting nothing in return. One of the most dangerous places to be in your life, especially in your walk with God, is tired. You're vulnerable to sin. You're vulnerable to temptation. Ask Samson. Ask the great men of God that walk through, that you see in the Bible. You're vulnerable to temptation. You're vulnerable to sin. Why? Because you're tired. And they are, at this point, it's, it's become night and they're throwing their nets. Throwing their nets. Working. Getting nothing in return. But here's the good news. But in the morning, yeah, Jesus shows up. And here's what's so cool about this. I want you guys to see this this part. I'm thankful that he was on the shore that morning. Because what you're not getting yet is if he was there in the morning. If he was there in the morning, it means he was probably there through the night. Did you hear me? He was right there with me in the darkest season of my life. There's people in this room that are tired. They're going through that night season, and it's dark, and everything looks like it's about to fall apart around you. And maybe you don't see Jesus, feel Jesus, but I want to let you know. In the morning, he's going to be right there on the shore waiting for you. I thank God for the moments, even when I walked away, that he never left me. He didn't walk away from me. Grace came in those moments. He stood on the shore. And I believe today he's saying to a lot of people in this room, I put too much in you to leave you. I I have way too much invested in you to walk away from you right now. I'm standing here until you realize I'm all you need. I'm thankful. I'm going to stand here and realize I'm gonna stand here until you realize I'm everything that you need. You know, the thing that I love is I love second chance people. Anybody ever, you know, you made a mistake and, and, and you know, you, you, you need a second chance. You need a do-over. You need some of that stuff. Uh, I, if you're thankful for second chances, In this room, anybody thankful for second chance? I'm talking like you're thankful for a God that gives. Come on, Mr. I'm telling you right now, second chance people are dangerous. Because second chance people have survived some things, they've went through some things, they overcome some things, and they have scars to prove it. Second chance people, where would you be if God hadn't showed up on the shore? Where would you be if he hadn't stayed? I can tell a second chance praiser from a religious praiser all day. You know why? Because a second chance praiser don't care. The, the girls in our youth group, I used to call it the Jesus face. The mascara running down, the shirts untucked. See, a second chance praisers know that they got to worship God with all their heart because they've been through some things and he helped them get through those things and they're going to give him praise for everything that he's brought them through i'm glad that he didn't give up on me even when i gave up on him i love second chance praisers; they're dangerous the bible says he's standing on the shore and he begins to ask a question now in this this question to me was funny because i would have been like i'm standing on the shore i've been like hey dummies it's a good thing I'm not Jesus, right? Because everybody would be smite. I'd be like smiting everybody. But anyways, <coughs> I would be like, hey, go- goop balls. But Jesus asked, he said, do you have any fish? It almost seemed like a little sarcastic to me. Maybe I'm imagining that, but it, it kind of seemed a little sarcastic. It's a crazy question until you realize it's the question nobody wanted to answer. You see, for most of us in this room, if we've been out there in that boat all day and all night... We would want to come back and tell everybody how long we've been out there, how long we've been the victim, how big the problem was, how big the boat was, how big our issues are. We would want, we would want to tell everybody, no, I've been out there all night and didn't catch nothing. It's horrible. It's horrible. But here's what Jesus does. I love this. He cuts to the core. I want to know for all the time you've been out there, is there anything to show for it? Is there any fruit coming out of that moment? You see, I don't care how long you've been dating them. Is there any fruit coming out of that relationship? I don't care how long you've been working there. Is there any fruit coming out of it? I don't care what you've been doing, how you've been working it, how you've been striving to get to it. Is there any fruit coming from that in that moment? And see, he asks that question. And I remember... When I first started in youth ministry, they had we had these conferences that we were supposed to go to, and I went to a couple. And they would tell you that you have to have the worship just right, lights just right, um, a name. I'm really bad. I was really bad at all that stuff, to be honest with you. The lights, name, all that, (laughs) all that. But all these things. And so for the first year or so, I I remember just going at it, striving. I'm gonna have the great name, and we came up with a name. And it really wasn't that good. And then the light I'm going to put, I'm going to do what I can. And we didn't have, and, and I was looking after a conference, you almost felt defeated because you're like, well, I don't have anything that they had. I mean, I'm working, I'm working side jobs and doing all these different things to try to just even make this thing float. And I remember one night in prayer, God just kind of, I mean, gently smacked me and said, okay, you, you ready to stop? Is there? Is it? Are you seeing a lot of fruit, Josh? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Nobody's really fired up. Nobody's really doing right. It's horrible. And that's that's. I, that was my honest stuff. It's just horrible. Okay, if you'll just let me do it and stop trying, he said. You menace. You you go and find me on the mountain and then come back and tell me what I got to say. And then from that point on, I'll be honest with you. God began to blow up any anything we would we would go to, where we would go, God would just, boom, things would just start happening. And it wasn't until I was truly honest, truly honest with myself and asking myself, hey, is there any fruit coming from this thing? Is there any fruit? And see, the disciples, after Jesus asked them this question, do you have any fish? It cuts to the core. And what's crazy about this moment is they're honest in this moment. Patty Valenzuela always says that confession is actually the first step to deliverance. And they answer and they say, we've caught nothing. Nothing. One confession begins the miracle process. Jesus comes to him and he says, I want you to throw your nets on the right side. Now think about that. Now I started, I almost lost it on that part. Because think about who's in the boat, Peter. Alright, I've been working all day and all night. I was just putting myself in that I was just putting myself in that boat right then. Uh, I've been working all day and all night. And this guy comes to me after I'm after I'm tired, I'm done. After I'm weary, I went through a night and tells me to throw it on the other side. Are you kidding me? Alright, are you kidding me? This is the guy that told Jesus, I will never leave you. Everybody else will go, but I will be there. This is the guy that went ninja on dude's ear. You know, he just like, he did his thing. And this guy, I can imagine that he's thinking, if this doesn't work, I am going to drop kick somebody in the face. I am going to do so If this doesn't work. But here's Peter. This is what's so cool about it. I've tried everything. But I'm going to try again based on his word. On his word. He throws the net and he can't haul in the net because of such a large number of fish. You see, one word from God can change your night and today. One word from God can change something, can, can shift something that you've been working for for years and bring it to fruition. One word from God can, and He can break off and heal that cancer or whatever you've been battling. One word from God and He can do all things. I'm telling you right now, all you need is one word because when one word from God happens, change occurs. Bonds are broken. Chains are broken with just one word. His word is powerful and it doesn't return void. I'm so thankful for the word God in my life. The place of your greatest frustration can turn into your greatest victory with just one word from God. You see, sometimes the answer isn't more money, more cars, bigger stuff, bigger house, bigger, more stuff. Sometimes the answer isn't that. Sometimes it's just one word from God in your situation. And you would think after this moment, after seeing everything, the fish, that Peter's eyes would be open. But he didn't know who it was despite what he had just received. Think about it. He still didn't know who it was. The Bible says that the disciple whom Jesus loved, we all know who that guy is. The Bible says the the disciple who Jesus loved stepped out and said, I know that voice. I know that voice. We all know John, right? John, everybody's arguing about the right and the left. John said, let me get to his chest. John John's like, let me just at his feet. He's the one that didn't leave Jesus. Let me just sit there. Let me just stay with him a while. John is a worshiper. Think about it for a second. John is a worshiper. If you want to know where Jesus is in the middle of your dark night, find a worshiper. Find a John, because a John will point out where Jesus is in the middle of your darkest night, a worshiper. And I want to challenge you with this. It is time for the worshipers to arise again. It's time for John to dance again. It's time for John to raise his hands again. It's time for John to sing again. It's time for John to worship again. If we're going to find God in the middle of some of the darkest seasons of this planet, on this world, right here, right now, we need worshipers to arise like never before. We need Johns to come out of this house like never before. Are there any Johns in this room? The people that say, laugh at me, mock me, but I'm going to praise him anyways. Laugh at me, mock me, my mascara running, but I'm going to praise anyway. I'm going praise anyways. Peter finally says this. He says, it's the Lord. And see, at that moment, I'm getting close to closing we a worship team can go ahead and get ready if we want to do that. Peter says, it's the Lord. And I thought the struggle of this passage, just stay with me, was the long, dark night. I thought that was the struggle of this passage. The real struggle presents itself when Peter sees Jesus. Because they have all the stuff they need to survive within the boat. But there is Jesus on the shore. Do I stay with the stuff? Or do I go to Jesus? Do I stay and hang out with the blessing? He's been good to me. Do I stay with the benefits? Do I hang on to the provision? Do I want what he can do? Or, I'm, or am I after who he is? And see, Peter says, guys, he looks at all the guys, he said, guys, you can stay with the stuff. You can stay with everything that's in this boat. You can stay here. You can you can even live here. But I'm not. I'm going all in. And Peter, in that moment, he says, I'm going all in. I'm jumping in. I'm going after it with everything that's inside of me. I love that part. He says, I'm going all in. You can have the world. Just give me Jesus. Take the stuff. I want him. I'm after him. He's right there in front of me. He's right there in front of me. Peter jumps in and I imagine him saying, I imagine saying, I, I started just kind of thinking through the scripture. I imagine him saying, don't leave. I'm on my way. Don't leave. I'm, I'm sorry for leaving you. I'm sorry for not waiting. I'm sorry that when you showed up in a way that I didn't expect that I went off and I went back to where I came from. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm going to run to you. I'm leaving everything on this boat. I'm leaving everything on this boat. And here's the crazy, craziest part of this whole thing. Peter meets Jesus. He threw, pulled a garment on. You know, the fact that it was 100 yards away even tells me more about his passion. could have waited. He could have waited like everybody else and just rode his way in. But you know what? There was something in him that was different. I I, I feel like he was even saying as he was swimming in, I missed his voice. I missed it. I missed it. Peter meets Jesus and what's crazy is there's a, a fire with coals on the hot coals Peter I just wanted to see if you wanted me more than the stuff because Peter I have exactly what you need and it's already prepared for you you don't have to strive you don't have to work anymore you just have to chase me come after me Peter It's already prepared. There's people in this room. Your destiny is prepared. Your future's prepared. It's secure. But the challenge for us is, am I willing to go all in? Am I willing to go all in to leave it all behind? You see, I believe that God, out of this room, God is going to show up in such a powerful way because he's going to show us a church. He's going to show people across this nation what a church looks like that's all in. This is our year. This is our season. We will go all in from this point on through worship, through prayer, through serving, through outreach, through everything that we do. Everything that we do is going to be all in. Why? Because he has it all supplied for.